it's interesting with we uh, having some of the difficulties that we're having with the sound system, and it, it's just really it's gone it's par for the course from what I've seen. It, if you're where you're supposed to be doing and doing what you're supposed to be doing as following the Lord, you're going to have spiritual warfare, and it, nothing spoke more to that than um, today. Uh, for the last couple of weeks, really, for the last since the beginning of the year, uh, I teach at a Christian school. The school and the staff and everybody involved has just been on such incredible spiritual warfare. We had we just today we just stopped. Um, at, once the kids all went home, we just stopped. We went to the sanctuary and just prayed, and just prayed to you know for the, for the Lord's will to be done. Prayed for one another, lifting one another up. Praying for the parents. Praying for the the children. Uh, praying for our neighbors, and that's kind of what we're going to be talking about. I, I, one thing I when I have opportunity to teach, and, and Mike will be back on Sunday. Whenever I have opportunity to teach, I never plan what I'm going to say uh, before it's introduction because usually the Lord just puts something on my heart, and, and this was very appropriate. I mean, uh, you usually can tell if you're in the right spot if the spiritual warfare starts. You know, you start getting attacked by the, the, the enemy. So. Uh, you're in the right place. So with that, let's just go before the Lord and, and open in prayer. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for, um, we thank you for your word, Lord. Um, we thank you for brothers and sisters of like minds that seek after you, Lord. Uh, knit us together, Lord, and uh, as a choir sings together, Lord, help us to uh, just seek after you and seek out the lighthouse that is you, Lord, and your truth, Lord. So we pray that your message is heard this evening, Lord, and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, I'm going to be reading. I'm going to read a couple of verses, and really the whole, the whole um, lesson this evening is just around two verses, um, and they explain it. And it's going to be in John 13, 33 through 34. I'm going to take a minute to turn there, and I'm going to be all over the place once we once we get started. But really, it's going to be wrapped around these two verses, and I'll go ahead and um, read John 13 through 34. Little children. I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, but you also love one another. It's such a beautiful statement, and it's such a, you know, an order. You know, like if you're, you're given something to do, it's like, all right, this is what I want you to do. Just love each other. It seems like such an easy thing to do, and I, I often think about well, what does that what does that look like? I mean, if, if you know, we think about the Ten Commandments and we look at this, what does that actually look like? I, I think of um, another school example. I, I have this real honorary twelve-year-old uh, that just drives me crazy. Super a ton of energy, but you know, once in a like once a week or once every other week, he'll let a, let out a I love you, coach, and I'm just like. Well, that almost makes up for the entire week of you being a toad, but, you know, um, you know, but it's a little small thing like that, you know, that's just a real gem that just will, will lift you up, you know, and it could be something simple like that. Um, it's like, well, is, is that it? Is just telling, you know, that we love one another? Is, is that it? Is that what we're supposed to be doing? So that was one of the things I, I was, I was really, uh, was on my heart just to really kind of pursue this. So when I was going into, well, we have a commandment here. Well, I wanted to kind of juxtapose this against some of the other ways that the, you know, Jesus and the, and, and the Bible is used to teach us. The, the three big things, that, the, the way I've seen, that I've got from you know, just my short time going through the Bible is there's inferences, right, kind of like parables, there's examples, and then there's commandments. So I'll, before I, we get into the commandments, I wanted to touch on a couple other examples that we had that the Lord has given us and how he teaches, teaches us. 
So a parable, as you, we're really familiar with, and this is how Jesus taught often, simple story used to illustrate moral or spiritual lessons, inferring that we should take some sort of action in our own life. And it's not as... And it's not as direct as you know a commandment, but it's also it's a way of just letting the blue collar worker or the, the common man, especially in the biblical times, just understand what you know what was being um, told to them. And I want to share you share with you one of these parables that I thought was very relevant um, to this topic, and that's in Luke ten twenty five to thirty seven. I know I have an unfair advantage because I know the answers in the, the next Bible verse, so. I'll, I'll try to not go too fast. <clears throat> but Luke 10, 25 through 37. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbors as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. What kind of life are we talking about, though? We're talking about that eternal life, right? We're, 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 talking about, we're not just talking about you're going to live to see the next meal, but we're talking about getting to eat that eternal meal with, with the Lord. But you will, you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And then Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw, saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite, when he arrived at, that pla- at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he, we, he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and set, and set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you, you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think the neighbor was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy, then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. I think that's a wonderful parable or inference of what we're supposed to be doing. Loving on our neighbors. Now, are we going to necessarily see somebody in a ditch that needs us to go pay two denarii to put them at the, you know, the Hilton or whatever? Not necessarily. Um, people are going through all kinds of trials, and mostly those trials are going to be some sort of spiritual warfare. Often people are beat up and bruised on the side of the road spiritually, and you know, just like we all come in here, put our smiles on, and, and, and greet each other and have pleasant conversation. But we don't know what kind of spiritual warfare one another is going through. And sometimes it just takes a minute of, how are you really doing? How can I help you? Having mercy. I want to read from you Psalms thirty-eight, eleven through twelve. David's going through a hard time. Um, Kind of one of those beaten up on the side of the road times, but it's more spiritual. Um, and he writes about a similar sentiment of experiencing a trial without any help or love from a neighbor. And it reads, My loved ones and my friends stand aloof from my plague. My relatives stand afar off. Those also who seek my life lay snares for me. 
Those who seek my hurt speak of destruction and plan deception all the day long. There are, are, like I said, there's, there's, I think we've all gone through some kind of trial where we just feel like we're alone or, or in a desperate situation with, with no helps and afraid to say anything or let, you know, to let that, that, especially for guys, it's really hard to let that, that veneer of just being, you know, a steadfast and sturdy person to be able to depend on. It's really hard to, to let somebody in, but also to the point, you know, it's also honest to, you know, ask for prayer. That's, that's the first step, just asking for prayer. And if we're trying to support somebody, that's the first thing we need to be doing. Um, as Christians, we are to love everyone, showing mercy and compassion, and that's what Jesus was inferring. What he taught, the parable about the Samaritan, the person needing our help, or rather our love, isn't necessarily bloodied and beaten on the outwardly appearance. More often than not, it's a spiritual battle. So we need to do better, and we have to do better. Um, just, just seeking after, you know, we, we talk about looking for different outreach opportunities. And, you know, it's that outreach opportunity is just a couple extra questions into somebody's life to see how they're doing, right? Just probing out, not being nosy, not looking for, for gossip nuggets, but, how can, hey, how can I help you out? You look like you're struggling, you're whatever, you know. Sometimes some folks seem, you can tell they're kind of disarray. I know I'm, I look that way most of the time when I'm at my work. Everybody say, you need help? I'm like, oh, no, no, I got it. But, you know, we, we all need a little help. The point is God teaches us through parables, inferring things that we ought to be doing. Um, sometimes in a subtle way, sometimes we understand right off the lessons. Um, but, you know, inferences, parables, that's just one of the methods that the Bible uses to, to, to teach us. And the next, the next method is teaching by examples. And what better teacher of exa- by example do we have in, in Jesus Christ. I want to read from you in Matthew 8. Matthew 8, 1. When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leopard came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. That willing part, so that's the biggest challenge in our own flesh, that willing part. You know, often when it, when it comes to resources or time, it's just the willingness. And that's the most incredible thing about Jesus, the things that he was willing to do for us. Be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed, and Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way. Show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. And then again, later in chapter, um, then later on in six, uh, verse 16, when the evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out spirits with a word, healed who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness. Jesus often taught by example, and in the cases he was showing us the unlovable should be loved. That in opening verse as well are our neighbors who we must love. Can you th- I think we can all think of, in our flesh, we can think of a few people that we see them as unlovable, right? Whether it be through personality or whatever. And we, we need to overcome that. That's, our, that's, a, that's a, our own sinful nature in that. If we're going to be loving our neighbors, we need to be looking at that. 
um, as a you know as a follower in Christ and a participant in sports as a young man and, and having a career in the military, um, and even as a Christian in my Christian walk, my favorite way and the easiest way for me to learn was what was good and right is just to see a leader going out and doing the thing that they professed. That was just the easiest way for me to learn what was right. I want that. I want to do what he's doing, and I know it's possible because he's doing it, him or her is doing it. On the flip side, that's the easiest way to lose people as a leader, right? Um, as soon as a leader does the opposite or falls short, backsides, how many folks are lost or lose confidence? That, of course, is why we don't follow men, we follow the Lord. 1 Peter 2, 21-22, for, for to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. We have a perfect example to follow. And then the last one, commands. Notice I didn't say teaching, right? Commands, and, and we, we we're taught by parables, we're taught by examples, but command is in a, in a whole different category by itself. You know, I, when, I, when I hear of being, I try to teach daily to young people, right? There's free will involved there, and, and they're going to do what they want. And that, that, that's a challenge. But, you know, and come from military, a command is much different. A command from a person of authority that, has, that can determine your well-being is, and in our case, as Christians, our eternal well-being, we're, we're talking about a completely, completely different um, case here. So I'm going to go to Exodus 20, 1 through 17. Yes, we're going to read them. Exodus 20. Verse 1. And God spoke. That's important two words right there. And God spoke. It's important to know who the authority is. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out to the land of Egypt. Out of the house of bondage, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water underneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I am the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generations of these, those who hate me. But showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male nor your female servants nor your cattle nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in the six days of the Lord made in the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. 
You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servants, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. So, we know what the commandments are, right? Commandments are laws. They're, they're things that we're supposed to be, to be following. The definition is to bid, a, a command, to bid, to order, to direct, to charge, implying authority and power to control and to require obedience. Requiring obedience. God spoke all these words. We need God to morally instruct and guide us. We didn't know that there is a God in heaven who expects certain moral behavior, and there are consequences from, from obeying or disobeying these commands. Um, the Ten Commandments is God's base moral code. It doesn't just say certain behavior is unwise or unhelpful. It, it says that God commands us to do or not to do certain things. And, in, and it either says or implies that. God sees our obedience or disobedience. God measures our obedience or disobedience. God, in some way, rewards our obedience and punishes our disobedience. So I want to read from you Genesis 26, 3-5 real quick. <clears throat> Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I give all these lands, and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father, and I will make your descendants... Multiply as the stars in heaven, I will give to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So we, we, we obviously see a reward there for following the commandments. On the flip side, in Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it paints a very clear picture of, of why we need to be following his commandments. The Bible tells us the law is, a, is, the law is holy, just, and good. It tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from God. These commandments are good gifts that came to Israel and humanity at the Mount Sinai. And the Ten Commandments are good because they show us wise and moral guidance in government of God. They answer the need of mankind for moral guidance in government. They give us a way to teach morality. They also would make the world so much better if they were obeyed. They are good for all humanity. Um, They're good when they are promoted and held as ideals, even when they are not perfectly obeyed. It's a guardrail, really, to help us on a good moral path. It's also a mirror showing us our own moral failures and a need for a Savior. It is a guide showing us the heart and desire of God for his people. In Matthew nineteen seventeen through 19, it reads, So he said to them, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. And he said, to which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear fault witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
So I'm, really, I'm just, I just want to lay the groundwork and, and just help to kind of illustrate how important when, when we go back and we look at John and look at 33, verse 33 and 34, 13, 33 and 34, when it says a new commandment, it's not a parable, it's not an example, it's not something, well, you, you could, you're, it would be a good idea to follow. It is a commandment. It is something that we, we, we must do. And I'll just read you 13, 33 through 34 again. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. But this, but this is all we'll, we'll know, that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Again, command to be directed, to charge, having someone telling you from a position of authority, requiring obedience. And James 2.10 points out, Whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of all. At some point in our, at some point in our walk, we will, um, through this verse, we think, wow, that's really nice. Yeah, that's, that, that's something we ought to follow. But my hope is that when we t- take a look at now, we see how, how important it was for Jesus, how we are commanded. And Jesus, in his final instructions, to the disciples gave us this command to love one another. He supported that by giving us examples of love in his final hours, by allowing Judas to kiss him, knowing that he was betraying him, by pointing him out to this and to be sent to be killed, later com- comforting a good thief on the cross while he was in an unimaginable pain, forgiving the people who were crucifying him, for they did not know what they were doing. And, of course, him taking up all our sins and dying a gruesome, painful death. How much love is inferred to us by him offering himself as a living sacrifice, dying on the cross for our sins. Church family, we are commanded, we are commanded to love one another. Not when it's convenient and not when somebody's nice to us and, you know, it, it's, there's no strings attached. We're commanded to love one another, showing mercy and grace. The Lord requires our obedience to love one another. And just a reminder that James verse, for whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles on one point, he has become guilty of all. So my takeaway is this. I want, when we look at that verse about loving our neighbors, a new commandment, I want you to focus on that commandment part. We're commanded. We are commanded. We're to be obedient to that, to love our neighbors as we love ourselves and as we love the Lord our God. Well, I'm going to go ahead and close this out in prayer. Um, we're going to take probably about 10 minutes to um, just do some intercessory prayer. Um, and what we do here is we'll dim the lights a little bit and then just pray loud enough so that everybody can hear you um, as the Lord leads. And then um, once everybody, once it sounds like it's um, died down a little bit, we'll, um, we'll end it. Let's go before the Lord. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word. Um, we have an instruction manual here for life, Lord, to, to join you in eternity, Lord. And um, our flesh gets in the way. So just help us to be faithful to your word, Lord. Help us to throw out our, put aside our plans, Lord, and to seek after your plans. Help us to love like you love, Lord with grace and with mercy, Lord. We thank you for this time, Lord, sharing in your word and sharing in this message, Lord. And we just pray that um, you would use us to serve you, Lord. 
In your name we pray. Amen.